Welcome to the Good Divorce Show. Not every divorce needs to end in disaster. It's time to see divorce in another perspective. Here to help with that is your host, Karen McNinney. Well, hello, listeners. Welcome back to The Good Divorce Show. So happy to be with you here live today. It's Coffee Talk with Coach Karen. That's right. We're going to have one part educational, one part book review, one part questions from you, our listeners. We have an hour together to explore endings, um, this challenging resistance that we often find ourselves in. And if you are in that messy middle, and whether it's related to divorce, it might be in your personal life as well. Maybe it's in your leadership professional world. We're looking at endings today. And if you have a question or a comment for me, please reach out. Don't hesitate to call 866-472-5788. I want you to think about the decisions that you're making right now. And again, it may be about a literal divorce in your primary relationship, but many of you cross over and have endings in other part of your lives as well. I, I know right now, um, as a family, we are looking not only towards you know the sunset chapter of my parents' lives as they are living vibrantly in their 80s, but they have a big house uh, where they raised five children, and it comes with a lot of land and upkeep and and whether or not we're facing an ending um, and a transformation. And I want to have you think about what is the story that you want to have archived about this moment in time in this decision, knowing that not everyone and not every decision has to end with sadness. Um, often here on The Good Divorce Show, we talk about the sweet spot between grief and relief. And knowing that your actions and your decisions are are writing history, you're archiving these moments in time, how we behave, how we reach out to others, the pieces that we are looking to, if you will, scrapbook. So let's just take a moment and consider what gets in the way for you. Where do you end up resisting endings? Is it because you generally second guess yourself and maybe... There is some confidence building that needs to be made and that as you reflect on the decisions over the course of your life, that we don't have to second guess ourselves. And, and so often I find this particularly when I work with my corporate clients and we're making decisions and we have that deep intuitive gut reaction that says, I know this is ending, or I know this should have been over a long time ago, or why didn't I release that employee, or why are we still hanging on to that pet project just because our founder created it 20 years ago? And we second guess our intuition, which is one of the wisest parts of ourself that we bring to any decision-making. And you've heard me say it many times before, we know our truth long before we speak it. So checking in and and wondering, am I second guessing my intuition or am I second guessing myself? And that intuition is a wise voice. Maybe you have many painful endings in your personal history, whether that's a child of divorce or maybe you were re released from a job. Um, perhaps there's been death experiences that have been painful. And so we continue to 
if you will, move away and turn away from endings um, because of the sadness that has been associated with those in the past. Maybe we're just not good at learning in the classroom and, and that our past endings, we end up just repeating the same mistakes over and over again. I'm guessing many of us actually just don't have the skills to execute endings gracefully. I know that many of us are underskilled in this way, in part because I found myself to be underskilled. We spend a lot of time in school, most of us, and then maybe even college and graduate school, learning tools um, in our day-to-day life, which don't always include tools for difficult conversations. Maybe we don't know if it's actually a necessary ending. Maybe the situation or the person can be fixed and we're holding on to some kind of hope. Some of us might have that strong codependent thread running through our life where we're just afraid of hurting people or letting them down or disappointing them and forgetting that our own personal integrity is essential in the decisions that we're making. And of course, there's always the unknown. Oh, I heard a great quote today. Um, was listening some to some music. I believe it was John Schneider. I might have to t- take... Uh, take a, a look at my notes during the break. And it was something along the lines of, this is not the end of everything. This is just the end of everything you know so far. So I'm going to lead on one of the great experts in this field that I have come to lean on, the wisdom of Dr. Henry Cloud and his book, Necessary Endings. Uh, subtitled The Employees, Businesses, and Relationships That All of Us Have to Give Up in Order to Move Forward. And just that title in of itself, Necessary Endings. It's like writing ourselves a permission slip and knowing that some endings are just essential. They're appropriate. And for whatever reason, we've written a story inside our family or our workplace culture, inside our own personal user manual, that endings are bad and and they're not. Um, in fact, oftentimes they're necessary. And, and this is what Dr. Cloud writes in the opening to his book. While endings are a natural part of business and life, we often experience them with a sense of hesitation, sadness, maybe even resignation or regret. However, Dr. Cloud argues that our personal and professional lives can only improve to the degree that we can see endings as a necessary and strategic step to something better. If we cannot see endings in a positive light and execute them well, well, the better will never come, either in business growth or in our personal lives. So we're going to look at necessary endings as a way to allow us to proactively correct (laughs) the bad and the broken in our lives in order to make room for professional and personal growth that we seek. And when endings are avoided or just handled poorly because we are underskilled, and that is often the case, good opportunities, they may be lost and misery may even be repeated. So thank you, uh, calling in Dr. Henry Cloud. Maybe I can get him as a guest on the show at some point. That would be a hero moment for me. And let's just, as we come into spring, thinking about things growing, and many of us are out there 
cutting out the old, right? There's leaves, certainly here in uh, Western Montana, where I live, that got buried by snow at the end of October, only resurfacing now as our snow begins to melt. And we're clearing out the old, the dead, the decayed, so that new growth can come. And that pruning process, particularly for those of you who've maybe ever had roses in the garden or a vineyard and grapes. Um, I think of my, my dad out in the garden as he begins to till the soil and that man, he can grow anything. And even as things start to grow, I'll see him go out and, and maybe there's baby carrots or, or baby beets in the ground that are, are taking and, and if you will, sucking resources from the others so that they can grow more abundantly. We know that the great gardeners are going to go in and they're going to prune that rose hedge. They're going to prune and remove some of the, the grapevine so that there can be greater abundance. So as you're thinking about pruning in your own life right now. And as we come into spring, here's a few questions to consider and to answer the question for yourself. It might be time to prune if there's an initiative, right? Thinking about your business world, something that is siphoning off resources that could go into something with more promise, cutting things away so that others can get abundance. Maybe that's friendships in our life that are just draining or sucking life. I've heard them called the vampire of emotion. And maybe we need to, to remove some of those relationships in order to create more bandwidth and uh, possibilities for ourselves as we nourish other relationships. Maybe there's an endeavor that's just not getting well. You keep giving attention to it. You're pouring resources into it. And you know, it's just not going to get better. Or we're looking at something and it is clear that it's dead. And yet there is some emotional connection in such a way that we can't imagine cutting it off, stopping its growth. However, we might actually be limiting the growth of other things in our life as a result of that. So listeners, I, I want you to just pause and think for a moment what your intellectual response is to the idea of pruning. And intellectually, many of us can see like, ah, yeah, that's not good anymore. That's taking too much time, resources, energy. And we can intellectually see where we may have a necessary ending facing us. We might also pause to think about the emotional response to that idea of pruning. And I mentioned some of those things. Maybe we're just afraid of confrontation. We're afraid of hurting someone else's feelings. We're, we're, we have that codependent spirit where we're just going to keep fighting. Um, and, and again, I remind us in our personal lives, how many of us spend a lot of energy, rightfully so, fighting for our marriages in and out of counseling, trying new approaches, working through the challenges of our relationship. And when we arrive at the clarity that this is a necessary ending, we can still fight for the good ending. That's what we hear together, why we come together in the Good Divorce Show to share our stories of good endings, of opportunities moving forward let me take it back. I, I was working with some clients in my 
uh, business sector last week about some endings and challenges, particularly for leaders. And I want you to imagine for a moment, maybe you have an employee on your staff that you have been contemplating a necessary ending and and you just don't do it. And you've got all these thoughts of, well, maybe it can be saved and maybe more coaching. Maybe if they just, maybe if I pass them off to a different department, it'll get better. Sometimes we move our hard, challenging conversations onto others, or we just leave the organization altogether and 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 leave that problem for the next person to inherit and manage and to manage. So put yourself for a moment, you're sitting in your office, you're contemplating these challenges, and that challenging employee walks in. And for whatever reason, they announce to you, Karen, I hate to tell you, but I have to leave the organization. And maybe they're moving, maybe they're going to go care for family members, maybe they've decided they're like me, done living inside six months of winter in Montana, and they want a new story. Um, and as that employee comes in and tells you that, or that friend who says they're moving away or they're breaking up with you, I just want you to put yourself in that moment and imagine, is there a feeling of grief that washes over you or a feeling of relief? The grief relief test is very powerful. And we know that truth in a heartbeat. Oh my goodness, the relief that I don't have to have the hard conversation, the relief that I don't have to walk this employee through a disciplinary process only to end up, if I do it wrong, maybe we're facing lawsuits or other challenges. And maybe there is someone coming into your life and they are ending a project, a partnership, a relationship, a marriage. And if you sense the grief that might come over you in the midst of that announcement, then there might be some work to be done there to make sure that you are pulling together and fertilizing that relationship, that you are noticing where maybe you went wrong, that you are paying attention to, oh, maybe I have been taking that for granted or taking advantage of that workplace relationship or that personal relationship. And then I had better do my part to make sure that it doesn't come to an ending that I'm not invested in, that I don't want to see because I actually still want that partnership, that business relationship to continue. As we head into the break, I want to just illuminate three ideas around necessary endings. This idea of maybe there's potential, maybe we need to pass it on, or maybe we need to push it out of our lives. Potential, pass, or push. So number one, potential. Okay, there's. I'm receiving useful feedback, and I'm going to face the reality about myself or the other person in this situation, and I know that we have unrealized potential that just needs focus. Maybe it's my own personal skills that need to be developed. Maybe I'm working with an employee and I know that I can further their skills and potentially help breathe life into their career. And in this situation, let's avoid passing that off to someone else or just taking it into our next relationship and actually take the potential that is realized before us and breathe life, energy, and effort into it. Maybe it's a situation that we need to pass on. 
And we recognize that we're just in the wrong relationship. And maybe we've known that for a long, long time, but we continue to ignore it. Um, Maybe it's a, a staff member that we have on our team and we recognize they're just in the wrong position or the wrong business or or both. And can we find our way to help them discover their natural strengths and talents and help them get off the road of failure and on to a path of success? And maybe this third truth is your truth. And we need to actually actively push. Maybe we're mentoring or coaching someone in our life, personally or professionally, and they can't see the truth about themselves or the need to improve. They're blind to it. Maybe they've moved into a victim mode and they spend all their time blaming the other people in their lives or other groups of people or the company. Basically, their shortfalls are not their own. They belong to someone else. And maybe you recognize that there is someone in your life or in your business that is just doing damage. And we keep patching it up. We're going in there with our spackle. Um, We are trying to just plug the holes. But the truth of the matter is that not everything can be fixed. It needs to be pushed out of our life or pushed into a new reality. So when we come back, I'm going to provide some skills and additional thinking as we move into this idea today, influenced and inspired by Dr. Henry Cloud in his book, Necessary Endings. Thanks for tuning in. Stay with me, listeners. I'm Karen McNinney, your Good Divorce Coach. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Before you call the lawyer, call the Good Divorce Coach. Give your family the gift of working with a certified divorce coach, a co-parenting specialist, and a mediator. Karen McNinney has the knowledge and skills to guide you through the full divorce journey before, during, and after. It's one thing to get divorced. It's another to be divorced. The Good Divorce Coach will teach you and your partner how to be divorced with less drama, less destruction, and less debt. Visit thegooddivorcecoach.com to get in touch with Karen. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com.
Welcome back to The Good Divorce Show with Karen McNinney. Have a question for Karen or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now, back to the show with Karen. Hey, thanks for staying with me. Today we are talking about necessary endings inspired by the book by Dr. Henry Cloud. And just going back to what might be the most difficult part of transitions for most of us, which is just making the decision, getting clear, challenging ourselves to be really, um, well, really committed to the ending process and building uh, skills around that. And again, if you have a specific question for me today, please don't hesitate to call in 866-472-5788. You can also find me online at uh, karenmcnenny.com or just Google up the Good Divorce Coach Karen and we can start a conversation. Also wanting to invite people, if you believe that you would be a good guest on this show because you have a story of a good ending, you're an adult child of divorce, you're a professional working in this field, helping others have positive, good endings, um, please reach out. I would love to invite you onto the show and share a conversation for our listeners to learn from you as well. A question has come in from one of our listeners about what are some of the personal things in our life that maybe get in the way, right? What is some of that hard wiring or roadmaps that we carry with us that might be in our blind spot, we might be unconscious to, that get in the way of us making really graceful positive, informed, intentional endings. I think one of those can be having an high, abnormally high pain threshold. Let me paint for you a picture of a client that I worked with in my executive coaching world. And she was a very sophisticated um, woman who was running a business, a business that she began with her husband. They ran it together for a long time until their uh, marriage was coming to an end. So not only was there a marital divorce, but there was also a divorce inside the business, which is something that I am familiar with as I work with clients, um, others who may be having a business together and needing to unravel that and, and being really thoughtful about that impact with our employees, how that might Um, impact our customers and their faith in the brand, Um, as well as I have spent some time just helping business partners unravel their business um, relationship is one of them maybe exiting without, again, needing to blow up the business or close it down or having to uh, file for bankruptcy. So let me take you back to, um, let's just call her Jane. And Jane found herself now running her business on her own, but she had a, we're going to call her bad Bertha, an individual on her staff who was really um, almost verbally abusive to Jane, the owner and and, um, executive director of this organization. And other employees could see it and they wondered why they were keeping bad Bertha around. She was disruptive and toxic to the culture. And yet Jane continued to retain her. And one of the things that she would say to me in our coaching sessions was, well, she's been here so long, Karen. She's so loyal. Well, let's not confuse longevity with loyalty. 
There have people we have been with for a long time. We do this in our private friendships. Well, just because we've been friends for 20 years or 30 years doesn't mean that that is a healthy friendship. Just because an employee has hung in there for 20 years or more importantly, probably nobody's had the guts or the wherewithal to release them from this position that we conflate loyalty with longevity and vice versa. So here we have Bad Bertha who's holding on, or Jane holding on to Bad Bertha and other employees wondering why. And they begin to recognize, you know, I I really respect Jane as a leader, but the every day she continues to allow this disruptive employee to stay on board. What I see as an employee is that Jane is no longer protecting the entire organization. She is protecting this one bully, this one bad employee at the expense of the rest of us because we are the ones who end up suffering. And then one day there was an employee of Jane's who said, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of her terrible ex-husband who was just abusive and volatile And he treated Jane that way, and it leaked all over the rest of us who worked here, and we were all so delighted and relieved, right? This grief relief test. When finally they got divorced, and he moved on, but now we're seeing that Jane is tolerating the same sort of behavior from this employee. So that's what I'm talking about in reference to having an abnormally high pain threshold. Maybe there's something in your life history that means you also, one, have a pretty high tolerance for people treating you poorly because you have not yet come to really hold your own integrity and your boundaries around being treated poorly. Or maybe in this case, Jane continued to see this longevity as loyalty And she kept giving bad Bertha. It could also be a bad Bubba, right? These are not gender-specific roles. We all, regardless of how we identify across the rainbow community, we all can have bad habits and blind spots. And so as I spoke with Jane one day in one of our coaching sessions, I just asked her, I said, so tell me, how many many do-overs do you offer people? How many second chances become third and fourth and fifth? And she just, she broke into tears because she realized that she was one of those individuals who just kept holding on to hope at the expense of herself, at the expense of the employees that worked under her, her business, the culture, And how many of us find ourselves doing the same thing? There may be another piece of your hardwiring or your personal mapping. That is just that we cover for others. You know, I talked about um, patching things up, uh, covering up for others, protecting them. And that, that doesn't do any good. Um, in the long term, because if there is something like I, I've got a leak right now in my house that has to do with my shower and my bathtub, and I I keep trying to patch it up without fixing the core problem, and even if I go in and I pack patch that drywall, if it keeps leaking, I'm just going to have to keep patching it over and over and over again. Another one of those 
internal narratives that we tell ourselves is that an ending means we failed. And in our marital stories, boy, that really not only comes from our own narrative, but we get that from the external. We might get it from our religious community, our familial, our family, our parents, our the grandparents who just identify that you have failed. And I want to release you from that narrative that does not help us to get to a place of succeeding. So here's here's one of our, I'm going to post this on Instagram because I think this is so wildly important. And, and if you haven't found me on social media yet, I hope that you will, because I've made a new commitment to be engaging with you, my listeners, on a more regular basis. And I want to hear from you. So from Dr. Henry Cloud, I quote, hope is not a strategy. If you're in a hole, stop digging. And many of us know when we are in that hole. Hope itself is not a strategy. And so we categorize into these three areas. The first is that we have hope distortion. And the hope distortion is when we keep hoping, when there is actually no reason other than the fact that I want this to work, I have no other reason to believe that tomorrow is going to be different from today. And it's like closing your eyes at your birthday candle and and blowing them out with a wish that I hope my dad will be different tomorrow. I hope my family will be different. I hope this partnership, I hope this job, I hope my leader. And we usually have a lot of data backing up the fact that tomorrow is not going to be any different than yesterday. That is hope distortion. Sometimes we also might find ourselves well, hope deferred. We're, we're putting it off. We 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 wrongly put our hope in some promise, some belief or wish that the person is expressing something that we are just ignoring the reality of who we are or who they actually are. And we allow trust to erode based on this well, someday, well, they keep telling me that they're going to do this thing or or my boss keeps saying the right things. They say that they want to value a certain kind of employee or project. But at the end of the day, behavior and actions speak louder than words. I once heard it put like this, who you are speaks so loudly I cannot hear what you say. Who you are speaks so loudly. I cannot hear what you say. And if we're wanting to build trust with someone else, if we are in a place of, of recovery, or we're still in the messy middle, are we in, are we out? Are we ending, are we starting a new beginning? Then I encourage you to really think about are my actions consistent over time? It, it takes the combination of those two things to either rebuild trust or maintain trust. Consistent behavior over time that then affirms the words that we're using. Doesn't diminish them because again, actions will always speak louder than words. Someone wise in my life once said, you know, if you just look at your checkbook and your calendar, 
You're actually going to see what you prioritize. That's the truth of the matter. And we may say, oh, I don't have time to support that or to volunteer, or I don't have the resources to invest in that. And then we go back to our calendars and we go back to our checkbooks, if anyone remembers those. And the truth is right there. The truth, or as Maya Angelou, one of her great quotes People will always show you exactly who they are. Our job is to believe them. Not tell us who they are, but show us who they are. Which then brings us to this third category of hope, which is good hopelessness. I think there are times when it's actually quite good to give up hope and to make the people around us clear about that. Our managers, our partners, our family, that in some way, When we lose hope, that can be actually a great way to get unstuck. People pay attention. And immediately, it can bring change to the solution. Energy into finding a solution. Proactiveness so that we no longer are sitting in hope distortion or hope deferred. We actually just say, I think I'm giving up here because I'm not seeing change, or I'm not hearing change, or or I myself am not able to find a way out of this, we are stuck. Again, if you're in a hole, stop digging. So before we go into our second break, again, if you have a question, reach out 866-472-5788. I want to share with you another case study an illustration that comes from my professional work that I do inside organizations as an executive coach, as well as a coach to teams, a consultant, work that I've been doing over 20 years. And I remember being called in by one of my clients that I had been doing culture transformation, leadership development, but there were two staff members that had really gotten at odds with each other. And and it was a two-person team. They were the marketing team and a small nonprofit of probably 50 to 60 employees. And these two individuals who shared desks in a cubicle, who sat back to back to each other and had basically stopped talking to one another. Now, if you don't think that has an effect that radiates um, beyond the cubicle, well, guess again. It was it was like the two of them had 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 a large giant poo in the middle of the whole organization, and it was starting to think stink things up. And it was really their passive aggressive behavior, their standoff was affecting so many other people from being able to do their work well. So, in comes Coach Karen, and I sit down with the both of them. And again, the first question, well, I start with them independently, as I often do with my couples. I want to hear what their story is and where their frustrations and their fears are. Well, we were able to come into a crucial conversation. And in the next segment, we're going to talk about crucial conversations and worked with the two of them to identify what got them stuck, what they were going to have to let go of, what it was that they ultimately wanted in the end, and whether or not they felt like they could make, you know, make progress in their professional relationship. And I felt like we did a lot of healing and good. And they actually went back to their colleagues and they apologized for what had gone south and how they wanted to repair it. 
Well, to my surprise, three months later, I get a letter from the direct report, the employee, not the manager, the direct report. And I just want to read that letter to you as a way of identifying what I say so often. We never know how things are going to turn out in the end. You got to just keep moving down the river. So from this employee, she said, Dear Karen, I have to admit to you that I felt very trapped and hopeless when you came into my professional life. You laid out for me many options, which seemed romantic and hard and inapplicable in my situation. I didn't know how we could make it better. And you asked me point blank if I could repair my work life at my company with my boss. That was a pretty heartbreaking question because I realized right there in that meeting, in that moment, I couldn't do it. Now, let me tell you, I put my best foot forward and I tried, but ultimately I left. And sure enough, just shy of three months later, I now live in a new state. I walk the beach every day. I'm at a new job that is perfect for me, that I absolutely love. And I could not have been happier that I made that jump. I didn't know it three months ago, but I needed a stranger to walk into my life, someone to shake my shoulders and tell me that it was okay to let go. I'm grateful that you were that stranger, Karen. And I'm grateful that my company was willing to bring you in. I don't think that my boss and I could have really, truly repaired our professional relationship. I don't think either of us was sincerely willing to put the work in at that point. But ultimately, I sit here today and I'm I'm really happy with the outcome. I'm confident that I would have eventually arrived at that point. But you spoke the words out loud to me, Karen, that I needed to hear at that time. And I can't convey enough how much I needed that. I loved my job. I loved my life in that town, but I was clinging to them for reasons that didn't exist anymore. And I didn't realize that I actually had other choices. So thanks, Coach Karen, for helping me to break up with my job. You helped to change my life. And that's what we're here to do, listeners. So grateful you're along for the ride today. When we come back from the break, we're going to look at some specific tools from crucial conversations to help you with your necessary endings as you move towards a good divorce and any aspect of your life. Stay tuned. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Before you call the lawyer, call the Good Divorce Coach. Give your family the gift of working with a certified divorce coach, a co-parenting specialist, and a mediator. Karen McNinney has the knowledge and skills to guide you through the full divorce journey, before, during, and after. It's one thing to get divorced. It's another to be divorced. The Good Divorce Coach will teach you and your partner how to be divorced with less drama, less destruction, and less debt. Visit thegooddivorcecoach.com to get in touch with Karen. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, 
self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. A little birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America TRN. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to The Good Divorce Show with Karen McNinney. Have a question for Karen or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now, back to the show with Karen. Hello. Thanks so much for joining me today. It's Coffee Talk with Coach Karen, which means I have an hour to share with you some of the books that I'm reading, as well as the content, um, best practices, and to take your calls again at 866-472-5788. We've spent a little time already reviewing some of the big ideas from Dr. Henry Cloud in his book, Necessary Endings, The Employees, Businesses, and Relationships that All of Us Have to Give Up in Order to Move Forward. And I want to end our time today looking at another book, Crucial Conversations. Some of you might be familiar with this. I know there's a lot of companies out there in our listening uh, area that have had training in this area. Um, The work comes from New York Times bestselling authors, Patterson, Grenny, McMillan, and Switzler. Google it up. You might want to get a copy for yourself. Uh, A couple years ago, one of my uh, large tech clients came to me and asked if I would train. And at the time they had about 350 employees and they wanted everyone in the organization to have the same toolkit of how to have crucial conversations. And and just to be clear, what, what makes a crucial conversation, Karen, you're asking? Well, simply put, crucial conversations are when stakes are high, when we have differing opinions about, um, what we need to do about that. And oh, here, I want to make sure I get all the right right words in place. And it also means that we're trying to get unstuck um, and hearing their version of the story as well as our own version of the story. And that's not always easy to do because our stories start to, you know, take over. They become dominant. So I want to share a tool with you today. Um which is called contrasting to better clarify, contrasting to clarify and looking for signs of safety. And I think mostly when people are feeling unsafe, it's because not so much what we're saying, it's typically because of how we're saying it, or it's because frankly, Um, we haven't listened to what the other person has said and we leap to conclusions. So we're going to practice this skill set today about contrasting to fix misunderstandings. And let's just take an example. Let's assume you're sitting in a a meeting um, with coworkers or you're in a conversation with a loved one. Maybe it's an aging parent, your teenager, maybe your spouse that you're 
in the midst of divorcing or you're in a co-parenting relationship with. And many of us have seen this moment where folks get, oh, they get defensive or they deflect or they deny or they dismiss what you're saying, which is a, a quick ending to any conversation. And so what's most important is that we, oh, pull out of the content, right? Stop making your point for just a hot minute so that you can actually get the conversation back on track. So I'm going to use a a professional example here from the Crucial Conversations training, which um, I became a trainer. That's what I was saying uh, a couple years ago and, and have since taken a number of organizations and individuals through this training. And this is one of my favorite tools. So you're in a project meeting and uh, Deshaun has a big project coming up and you just voice that you're concerned, you know that the vendors that he's working with, um, that they've been unreliable in the past and a little bit flaky. So you just say what's on your mind. You say, hey, you know, I really think Deshaun's piece is at at risk and and that this project is going to have some problems. Now, if you were Deshaun, what might your immediate response be? hey, that's not fair. You don't always make your deadlines either, you know, and well, we've got the project pulled together and while I'm taking, it's our immediate reaction to having backseat drivers in our life. And if you think about driving down the road and that you might have an actual backseat driver in your car, more often than not, we always want to just tell them to zip it. I got it handled. I don't need your feedback. I know which way I'm going. But the reality is like even the very best Tesla, Cadillac, the Ferraris of the world, we all have blind spots, just like cars. And sometimes it's the passenger who sees the deer you're about to hit or the light that didn't change or the other person in the other lane who doesn't see you in their blind spot. And it's our passengers who can actually save us from crashing. So invite your backseat drivers. Don't push them away. Try not to bring up the ugly Ds of deny, defend, deflect, dismiss, and instead be curious. So in this moment, we hear, right, your voice at the meeting, I think Deshaun's piece is at risk and that there's going to be problems. And immediately Deshaun cuts you off with that defensiveness. Hey, it's not fair. You don't always make your deadlines either, you know, because he thinks that you're attacking him. But what he doesn't know is that you have information that he wants to have that will help him in his success. So this is when we create a contrasting statement and we actually say the don't and then the do, right? And in the don't half of the statement, the first part, we might say something like, hey, Deshaun, um, I didn't mean to imply that your team or you aren't capable, That, that isn't my concern. What I wanted to do was raise a potential concern about some of the vendors that you're working with. Oh, and now we have changed the entire tone of the conversation. We've helped Deshaun to be less defensive. We've clarified our intent. And we've actually been clear about what it is we're trying to communicate to them. So for my really nerdy listeners out there who might actually be taking some notes, here are some starting phrases to help you with contrasting. It might sound like literally saying, hey, 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 my intent is not to, then fill in the blank. 
Or maybe you start with a suggestion of, I'm not trying to suggest that your team isn't capable, or I'm not trying to suggest that you don't care for our children or that you don't think their schooling is important, whatever it might be, right? Especially those of you out there co-parenting and challenging relationships. A lot of times our, if you will, PTSD, the old habits from the marital relationship are still playing out in our divorce relationship and people get prickly. We have hot buttons that get triggered. So another don't statement might be, hey, my goal isn't to pull the kids away. Or, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of a client that I'm coaching right now and and they're moving, their, their financial world has shifted and changed. And so they're moving out of a um, payment, a child support or marital support payments. And it was wonderful because one of the parents just said to their co-parent, they said, you know, my goal isn't to disconnect the kids from you at this time or to change that. What I really want is for them to have an active relationship with both their parents. And I think both of us can do that on our own now. It was, it was a way to diffuse the defensiveness before it even came up. Okay. So again, our don't come um, contrasting statements. My intent is not to, I'm not trying to suggest that my goal isn't to, and then comes the contrasting statement. And we actually just clarify, you know, what I want to focus on. And then we fill in the blank or what I'm hoping we can solve. And we just clarify from ourselves or what I really want to discuss and that it's not in to get into a battle. I'm going to remind you again, though, it's not always what we say. Sometimes it's how we say it that creates the wedge or the crevasse or the distance and the disconnect. And often when we're coming into a conversation, we have to first ask ourselves, you know, what is what is my goal here? Is it to create greater connection with this person so we can be in a problem-solving place? Or do I know that this comment or how I'm going to say it is going to create disconnection. So let's go back to the sample again, right? You're in the meeting. You hear Deshaun laying out the project. You have information that would be helpful. You're sitting in the back seat, and you say, hey, I think Deshaun's pieces and that his project's at risk and there's going to be problems. And right away we hear Deshaun come back with, that's not fair. You don't always make your deadlines either, you know. And then we do the right words, but it comes out like this. Hey, dude. I didn't mean to like imply that your team isn't capable. I mean, that's not like really my concern today, but you know, I just, all I wanted to do was raise a potential concern about, you know, the vendors you're working with, but whatever, that is a disconnecting tone and we can all hear the sarcasm. We can hear the edge and it is only going to perpetuate the distance between you and Deshaun as you're trying to solve this problem together. Sometimes I hear it um, referred to as, are we trying to call someone out or are we trying to call them in? And when we're calling people out, that usually comes from a place of shaming or belittling or our ego takes the front seat and we are, um, well, we can never change anyone through shame. It, it, 
it just doesn't work. Shame and change don't go together. We have to release the shame. So we're not going to be beneficial there in any way. But when we call them in, it means we're inviting them into a conversation. And that sounds very different. And then it's, hey, Deshaun, I didn't mean to imply that your team isn't capable or that you're not, you know, strong as a leader. I That wasn't my concern. Like we actually name what we see. We name it to tame it. And then we can go on and re-clarify. What I wanted to do was raise a potential concern about some of the vendors that you're working with. Okay. And in doing so, now I am able to actually hear what's being said. And there are just some people in our life that we turn the volume down. Maybe it's a family member. Uh, I certainly have some family members that I have a hard time hearing because of history and I just don't want their advice. I don't want their input. I just automatically turn it off, tune it out, um, don't respect it. And then someone that I do respect or feel more akin to, they might give me the same advice, the same feedback, and I can hear it. So I just want you checking in with yourself and realizing where you maybe have either turned the volume down or turned the volume off and that you might be misreading intent. And remembering your intent is not what's important. It's what people believe your intent to be, right? Perception is greater than truth. Perception is greater than truth. I'm not saying that's fair. I'm just saying it's real. So to each and every one of you today, thank you for tuning in and listening on our live show in Live America, or you're picking this up um, on one of the many podcast platforms that we are broadcasting every week, The Good Divorce Coach, um, here broadcasting The Good Divorce Show for each and every one of you as you work on your own crucial conversations as your life in your life, as you ponder and consider what are the necessary endings that maybe I need to push or process or pass on, or is there real potential there? Do your grief relief test on the hard decisions that you are contemplating and go into that wise place of your intuition and know that you and each and every day are going to be given an opportunity to practice these skills. Thanks for having Coffee Talk with me today. Best of luck as you move into crucial conversations, building those skills, finding relief in your life. And remember, everything is going to be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Good Divorce Show. We hope today's episode has helped you find a kinder, more sensible, and less expensive path through the divorce journey. Until we talk again, have a beautiful week.